listening to the Ed Reach Network. Ed Gamer, episode 148 on... Why do you laugh? Because there's always fine, like this Jerry. long pause. I, think I, I, a... I don't know what to tell you, Jerry. I don't know what to tell you. I, I click, I let the clapping go down, bring it in. Just... Oh my goodness gracious. Okay, here we go. Ed Gamer, episode 148 on EdReach. The Gameful Classroom with Bob the Shooter. <laughs> it's the junior high teacher... Bob, I'm sorry. This is Ed Gamer for Wednesday, <laughs> December 3rd, 2014. <laughs> uh, it's I literally time. wish you were close enough to hit him at this point. <laughs> Ed Gamer is part of the EdReach Ed network, edreach.us, giving education a voice. Um, Ed Gamer at the Gamper. Yes. Yeah. That was awesome. Dutch, dude. <laughs> that was awesome. Dutch, dude. Okay, this show is dedicated to education gaming on any platform. We will give you the education angle on any type of games, ranging from tabletops to MMOs. We will discuss how these games impact student learning and how they can be used effectively within the classroom. I'm Zach. And I'm Jerry. And I'm Bob. And Bob, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Um, my name is Bob Deschutter. Uh, I'm the C. Michael Armstrong Professor of Applied Game Design at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, where I am associated with the College of Education, Health, and Society, the Armstrong Institute for Interactive Media Studies, and the Scripps Gerontology Center. Holy cow. Bob, yeah. where, do we get, where do we get titles like this, Jerry? Uh, well, we actually have to work for them, which is what oh. Bob has done. Well, well, it was just bestowed upon me, I guess. So, <laughs> Bob, can you can you say your last name again? You said it much so much more elegantly than Zach says it. <laughs> well, in English, I typically just say the shutter, but it's actually the scooter. Wow, but that's I, awesome. I still need to meet the first American who can actually pronounce it the yeah, way. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not going to happen on this My show. My is getting close though at Miami University, but yeah, it's still tricky. That's awesome. It's a very nice name. I like that. Yeah, thanks. Very cool, Jerry. My name is Jerry James. I'm a visual arts educator from Schaumburg, Illinois. And my name is Zach Gilbert, and I'm your host. I'm a sixth grade social studies language arts teacher from Normal, Illinois. Jerry, I love that smile. <laughs> I love that smile. Why? So, hey, we got this is a, a confluence. We're crossing the streams here. We have guitars galore yeah. in the backgrounds. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna when we end the show tonight, Bob <laughs> and I are gonna jam the whole way out. We're gonna do like a. Yeah. We're actually gonna Very have like. We're gonna we're gonna have six minutes of show and then a thirty-five minute jam session. Oh yeah. Like it, like it. Okay. I'm I'm I'm. Any any. I guess we should ask for a request. We'll play Rush for you. So. Oh, I was just thinking that's via. probably gonna be Rush. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Hey, I've been using uh, Rush lyrics for narrative poems in my uh, writing. Right. In my. For language arts writing, so very cool. I used you. Do you know the song "The Trees"? No, you guys. Okay. Well. <laughs> Jerry's just like <laughs> Jerry. Quiet. Yeah, whatever. Okay. So hey, uh, an update on EdReach about EdReach. We are updating the website, and there's going to hopefully some changes around December seventh. And then after that time, uh, I think there's going to be a brand new website just popping up. So for now, the 
Ed Gamer shows are just on YouTube, and then after December 7th, I'll start working on editing those and dropping those onto iTunes and then onto the EdReach website. So I want to make sure everybody knows that because I know people are upset that they can't do their dishes and uh, fold laundry while listening to Ed Gamer. A lot of angry people. A lot of angry people. They Clothes are piling up in households. Wow. Because they can't, they have to listen to Ed Gamer while folding laundry. Just saying. Okay, so <laughs> glad you're Bob's getting my dry sense of humor. Game Club news. Jerry, you have a free for all going in Game Club, don't you? Yes, it's an anime, comics, game extravaganza, which is actually going to work well because I'm taking a class next semester that's all about the history of uh, comics and um, seriously yeah their political impact and uh, their history it'll touch on anime it'll touch on comics it'll touch on comic books graphic wow. novels so yeah it's gonna be great <clears throat> that is you know to have a professor at a university that knows that stuff dr. Carrie Friedman she's one of the lead uh, art educators in well in the world she's that is phenomenal so that is cool yep she's gonna be teaching yeah. it be awesome <clears throat> well, I will have to share with you some things later, but there is some news that I know about, which I'm, I'm just teasing everybody with this. Uh, you know, what would be the opposite of Marvel? DC. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there's there's movies coming out eventually, right? right? Are you in one? Is that what no, you're No, no, but I... But I, I they I, finally I, make a movie about you? I know, yes. <laughs> <laughs> This isn't the one where you get arrested, right? No, I am this. I, I'm I'm taking this from another comic called The Tick, but I am. Uh, oh, you'll like this one, Deflator Mouse. Deflator you know that the Tick. You guys don't know the Tick. Well, do you? I know the oh. Tick though. Yeah, you well, know purple, the, big purple guy. Well, blue. He's a little blue. Yeah, oh, yeah. blue. And then you know, then yeah. Tech. But there's Deflator Mouse, the which is like the Batman. Yeah, forget it. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so there's 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 going to be some movies out there with DC Comics, and I might know somebody that might be working on that. Ooh, you, nice. you don't you know what I'm saying, Jerry? Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about it later, Bob. It's some cool stuff, but there's some cool things coming on with DC. So, okay, so uh, I have hold, my game. Hold on, just one second here. What? Just wanted to. Uh, oh no. Just wanted to. Uh, Oh, no. This is why, Zach, you should never argue with the artist. It's it's really dark blue. Nope, it's purple. Oh, here we go. Okay. Some purple in there. Now, okay, look up, look <laughs> no, up the no. actual Ben Edlund. Oh, sorry, the internet's broken. Okay, yeah. Zach. <laughs> it's, it's Tim Warburton, which is the live-action yeah. version, but the actual comic book... Yep. Oh. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, hold, I don't believe you specified. Up. Nope. Sorry. Hold Internet's broken. Okay. Nope. So, <laughs> my, so you have a free for all going in in your your game club. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of all over the place. There's everybody from playing Magic to creating anime to uh, we had a couple Dude. board games come out. So it's kind of all oh, over. Cool. Okay. So I had my family tabletop game day last. Was it the week before um, Thanksgiving? And we had about 25 people show up, which was a pretty good number. And one of the games that we played was Camel Up, and that is a Z-Man game. Did games. you play a lot of it, Camel Up? I played one, uh, one game of it, and basically, mm -hmm. it's I, 
you're betting on camels making it to the end, <laughs> and uh, you can place tiles to uh, mess up or enhance the outcome of the camels that are going around the board. It was a lot of fun. And as soon as you think that you know who's going to win the race, uh, ran, you know, things happen and just throw everything out of whack. So it was, a, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Very, a lot of different variations in that. So that was, that makes it replayable, which is nice, especially with games. And, uh, the next one's Dominion, which is one that kids have been talking about for a long time. And, uh, Jamie from, uh, uh, Grafalia Airy uh, from the local game shop has brought this in, and we have a, a large group of kids that love playing this game. And you have different stacks. You have different uh, uh, types of uh, decks of cards that do enhancements, uh, and it's a deck-building game. And there's, I think they said there's 200 and some odd different variations of how this game can be played. Uh, you were mentioning there's no iOS app, which I did look for it, Bob. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that before the show, and but there is there's an app out there that actually comes up with random right uh, yeah. ways of playing the game, and that was that was interesting. And yeah, there a is a companion cool. thing. Oh, actually, now that you mention it, um, it just popped in, into it came into mind. Um, one of my students was at GLS actually this year. Um, he was presenting a poster, but he also for his final quest in my class, he um, he made a, um, a card game like Dominion about writing and about the writing center that he was associated with. Um, his name is um, Sam Salvatore uh, Papa. He's a um, really cool guy. So Dominion, it's, I mean, it's, it can be very inspirational, actually, for educational game design. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. And it's the, the, the thinking process that kids have to go through in order to, you know, it, actually, there's different cards that allow you to play it, uh, you know, actually enable you to go further in your deck. So it's almost, um, it's like layering or what's the term I'm looking for? We just like Chinese checkers, you know, how or checkers where you can kind of bounce it around and bring it back the same way with the cards. You can keep on playing more and more cards depending on what you play. It's almost got a coding aspect to it where mm -hmm. if I play this down, then I can play this one down and play this one down. It's like yeses and nos and yeah. in, in placing your cards. And that's, I think, is pretty slick. You're going to have to add that. If you have a link to your that student's uh, work, um, that I don't... Um, yeah, I think I might have something on YouTube. I'll, uh, we'll look at it after the show because I think yeah. I have to make it... Um, right now it's unlisted or private, I don't know. Okay. Um, but yeah, we, we can definitely do it. He has a video explaining how it works and uh, but yeah, I mean, those if he's willing to share it, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, the last, uh, the one of the last things they got to play was D and D, the you know fifth edition uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and we got to go through one of the scenarios in Horde of the Dragon Queen, and it's, I think what they've really tried to do, and I got to play this a couple of years ago, Jerry, when we went to um, Gen Con. Mm -hmm. We got. I got to play D and D next, which is one of the early iterations of of the, what D and D five is, and it's had some changes to it. I'm not going to get all geeky on on the on the rules, but they've kind of taken some of the uh, concepts of the early editions and just ease of play, and taking some of the cool things that have been done in the later editions and then morphing that together. And I think they've done pretty well, and they've added a lot of files. And a lot of resources online for free 
to try to get you into it, but at least it can get you started. And so we had a group of students that uh, that were led by someone in, in uh, someone local that has been running some D and D you know scenarios at the local game shop, Grafalia's area, and he did an excellent job of of putting this together and, and having the kids run through. Um, basically, we went through a cave and got rid of some nasties. So it was it was a lot of fun. But the outside the box thinking, the kids had a difficult time with that. And I, you know, you're Bob, you're in the in the university level. I, it, this yeah. is something I keep on seeing over and over and over again. And that's why I think D and D is such a, a a positive. You know, the openness of your choices and what you can do mm-hmm. in D and D, and kids really. I almost feel like they they feel they're boxed in and they can't do that outside the box thinking that divergent thinking that Sir Ken Robinson talks about. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah, something yeah. that you see at the college level? Absolutely, I completely agree with that. Um, um, it's it's very much a matter of what I try to do in my own class as well. Um, I try to give them you know freedom of choice, um, whether it's just picking assignments that they want to be doing. Um, or just picking the medium in which they do a certain assignment, whether they're doing it as a video or they're turning it in as a paper or they're turning it in as a poster or maybe a game design. I mean, they get to pick all those things, and it gives them a lot of freedom. Um, and, I, you know, I think Jim G talks about that in his book as well, and a lot of people actually have talked about it, about um, games providing freedom of choice and agency because it helps intrinsic motivation as well. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely see that, and... Um, the, the the flip side of it though is I've I've also had a comment of of, of some students um, in in my course evaluations where they told me well I feel that you're giving us a little bit too much freedom from time to time <laughs> so it's kind of it's kind of finding this perfect balance as it is with everything in games obviously but um uh, yeah but for some students I mean I, I get course evaluations that are just ridiculously awesome just and you know the, the sense of freedom is one of, of, of the big things that they love once they figure out that hey I have so much agency over the work that I get to do for the class it, a lot of students love it so I, yeah. I, I can I can assume that at the college level you know some of them feel boxed in yeah yeah and it's you know sometimes the kids just want me to tell <laughs> tell them what to do and so mm. Sometimes it's, you know, next week I'm actually going to be um, doing, a, uh, having the students complete a project for Egypt, and one of the choices is that they can actually complete or create an authentic Egyptian village, ancient Egyptian village in Minecraft. Mm-hmm. And, but then some kids are like, they don't want that. They want to do more of a traditional project or presentation. And part of mm-hmm. me is like, okay, that's fine. I can help you out with that. But then the other part of me is like, why are we confining ourselves to this, you know, old school type of thing? And but everybody's different. I guess giving them a choice is is better than just totally boxing them in. Yeah, yeah. I I think diversity is something good to bring in there as well. Because and it's the same thing with learning styles. People learn in different ways. Um, the only thing that I don't like is when sometimes students come up to me and they're like, "Well, I, I get the impression that they just want the easy A." Yeah, maybe an easy B, but they're just in there going through the motions, and they're not passionate about this. And I mean, for me, you don't have to be the most passionate person about it in the world. But if you take a course, at least show some interest. And when that happens, um, you know, I, I don't think it's an argument to say, "Well, I'm just going to give you a checklist of things that you have to do." No, I still want you to find your way and find something that you can actually relate to. And 
and all the you know possibilities that this I mean the possibility space of my course is pretty big so uh, it, it, it's it gets pretty silly when students don't want to go that far I guess now is your is your do you have some classes that are mandatory to take for a certain um, major or do you have I mean because I'm thinking you have elective courses that students are choosing to be there <laughs> this is like right. if you're not passionate about you know right that class then there I'm thinking that's a problem well it might be a matter of um, some well some of the courses depends on what students for some students take them as electives others will take them because it's mandatory to for them uh, because of their major um, but I think maybe it's just an interactive media studies type of thing um, I, I've seen a lot of students that are like well I, I like technology and I like social media and I want to do something in this creative industry because it sounds so cool and um, then they end up doing a major in interactive media and basically just trying to figure out what they like and then they sign up for this class about games because games are fun and well my class is a lot about designing games which is very different from playing games and it's frustrating and challenging and hard and in a good way but um, you know so I think yeah sometimes that might be that, that might be part of the reason I guess but um, yeah I think it's more too it's not just uh, it's not just just kids being in an elective or things like that. I think it's this is the way we've bred students. Yeah, you know, we put them through school with that. Like, this is what you need to do to get out of this class. This is what you yeah. need to do to get out of this class. This is what you need to do to get an A. You know, yeah. and so that's what they look for. And it's a why. You know, when they come across a class like that, Bob, I can completely agree with you because I come from an area where I have so many. I have. I teach, uh, you know, one section of an art class, but it actually has like five different art classes going on within it, kids studying in different mediums. So my projects are all completely open, and uh, some kids find great struggles in trying to trying to do that because all they've been taught throughout their entire life is, here's your syllabus, here's exactly what you have to do. We're going to walk you step mm -hmm. by step to get to the end. And uh, that kind of open thought can be terrifying for some kids. It can be yeah. hard. Yeah, yeah, I think it's true. great though. I think it's it's the most real thing they'll come across in in education. Yeah, I mean, I think if you want to prepare them for their later life, it's 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 essential that we get a, away from just you know the the syllabus. It's almost like a checklist, and mm -hmm. you just check the boxes basically, and you know already what grade you're going to be getting. And um, for some students, that's what they want out of a college degree, I guess. But I don't I mean you're not educating anybody. You're just you know, generating monkeys, yeah. Um, and yeah, that's that that's that's not good for anybody. Um, no. I think um, manufactured plus, I mean, goods. Yeah, and it's all based on extrinsic motivation as well. And um, well, I, I can talk for hours about that because I've done a lot of stuff with intrinsic motivation. I'm not gonna though, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think Alfie Kuhn um, has has this awesome oh, book man. called Punished by Rewards. Um, I think that that's one of the books that sums it up really nicely. I, I guess he takes all the intrinsic motivation theories by Ryan and DC, and um, you know, just makes them very applicable to a classroom context. And I think that's a, a pretty big problem. It's not just the U.S. We see the same thing in Europe. Um, in, in Asia, it's actually even worse because professors. I, I've taught in China, and um, it was pretty weird because my, you know, the professors that were there as well, they just came in and they read from the book, and then you take the exam and students passed along answers and they they well they they prepped in a way for the exams that didn't really require them to study even anymore so you know there were some things going on there that weren't 
good education in well by a mile even it, w it was pretty bad and um, I think the further we can get away from from that type of idea that is just a professor um, lecturing constantly I mean try to engage in, uh, students and have them do problem solving activities I mean that's what we're trying to do and that's why we're talking about games right now I guess yeah yep hey Jerry don't get mad and Bob don't get mad I I'm just thinking the time and I know we got some stuff to talk about I I kind of crossed out the next three <laughs> In there, oh. that's okay. <clears throat> but I do want to talk about this story from IO9 and um, Lego instructions from 1974. And this got this got kind of big on the IO9 website. And you know, it says um, the urge to create wrong and all children, boys and girls. It's imagination that counts, not skill. You build whatever comes into your head the way you want it. A bed or a truck, a dollhouse or a spaceship. A lot of boys like dollhouses. There are more human uh, they're more human than spaceships. A lot of girls prefer spaceships. They're more exciting than dollhouses. The most <laughs> important thing is to put the right material in their hand and let them create whatever appeals to them. I thought that was awesome. And it's so people are out there, no this isn't real and then Lego actually mm -hmm. got back to him and said yeah this is real um, and then there's actually a German version <laughs> there Bob um, <laughs> so I thought that was cool and then what down below Jerry what it is is beautiful and as a father of two daughters this hits home to me because it's it's about the the creation process in that um, it's not Legos aren't just for boys. I mean, it's girls. I mean, it's for anybody. Let them build. So um, I thought that was really, that's a super awesome photo. And Legos, you know, one of my friends, Jim Peterson, who's a local tech director and amazing person in his own right, he always talks about there are more uh, engineers uh, trained by Legos than MIT. <laughs> so That's a great quote. I, I, I love I love that, and now it's becoming more so with uh, um, Minecraft. <laughs> There'll be more engineers because of Minecraft yeah. than MIT. Yeah, it's probably so, true. Yeah, so I thought that was cool to share out. Uh, and then the last one is <laughs> something that I uh, got a hold of and have in my house. All right, when, when did you add this? What the Amazon Are you Echo? Sneaking, you're sneaking things in on me again. I did. I did. I, I have to do that to keep you on, keep you on par. The video is hilarious. I mean, it's just it's this couple, but they they have such a dry humor about it. Uh, voice activated. In most cases, uh, this thing is better than Google, better than Siri. Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty amazing. Don't you have to be like in your house to use it? I'm like I'm confused by yeah. why you would just want this giant thing stand sitting in your room. But here's the thing. Oh, okay, so because I'm a Prime member, it's ninety nine dollars, right? Okay. okay, it's a blue. It's, I can use it as a Bluetooth wireless device, which to get a nice wireless Bluetooth speaker for ninety nine dollars, that's that's pretty good, right there in mm -hmm. itself. Okay. Okay. So now now I have it voice activated. Now I can ask it questions. I can I asked it, you know, how far is it from normal Illinois to Shanghai, China? And it told me within a matter of seconds. So, you know, because that's Was always it handy. Right? I, I wanna yeah, well <laughs> sure. Are you I don't sure? Know. Hey, you have no hey, idea. Hey, this it thing sounded, could be telling it sounded, you anything. 
It's How far is it? Oh, it's Asia. 10 miles, Zach. Yeah, it just answers 42 to every question you ask. <laughs> 14. <laughs> well, that's the answer to everything. So, no, it, it had to be right because it also gave it to me in kilometers. Oh, so it had to be right. <laughs> that's, that had to be right because right. it gave it to me. Yeah, it had kilometers too. No, Thank but you it's, for your credit card, Zach. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 actually pretty slick. And here's the thing. it's it's a, uh, You have to call out Alexa, and I, I'm... I think there's a way to change that. I want it the, to be like Star Trek, where you say, you know, computer, <laughs> you know, tell me the answer. And so it'll it'll update. It'll start adding, you know, new things to it. Yes, it's a way for the NSA to listen into my conversations at home, uh, you know, the government and such. But it's it's pretty slick, and the music and the sound from it, just just as a wireless speaker, is great as it is, right? So then now you're starting to add other things onto it. Can I name mine Zach? Yeah. <laughs> that'd be great. Hey, Zach. Yeah. What time I'm is it? I'm sure I'm sure that would go over well. <laughs> so but you know, it's I don't know. I don't know how this would go. I'm just I was sitting here thinking how you stick this in a classroom. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's gonna go well. <laughs> Everybody's yelling at it. Alexa, <laughs> yeah. Alexa. I don't know. <laughs> We but, got enough problems trying to keep projectors on the right, uh, the right signal. <laughs> Kids hacking into them with apps now. I can't imagine putting something in with voice control in the middle of it. They have a field. Yeah, but you know, it's just something to think about. It's just one of those things that you know, it's it's a newer technology. Voice activation is becoming better and better. Mm-hmm. Siri, I I turn off on my phone. I just I I get so frustrated with her. I use the Google, uh, you know, voice commands on my iPhone it works seems to work better but this is something that I think is it's it's gonna get there Jerry it's, we're gonna have a house that you know and talk to our house and we'll talk to a computer it will somebody there's too many Star Trek fans out there we'll have it just like Star Trek I have no doubt okay now on to the main reason why we're here so I'm sure Bob got a lot of cool information from from our discussion there so so we met at uh, GLS this past summer, yeah. and you presented a paper. And I, I guess I want to start off with that because that was <laughs> – first of all, I loved your presentation. And uh, you went into it with a, you know, this is going to be – this isn't going to work. This is not going to be good. You know, <laughs> you don't, well, you, you come in from the angle that, okay, I don't, I don't like this. I don't think this is good. Right. I'm going to test it out. And I'm going to see what I come up with. So tell us what your study was and, and what actually came out. Sure, yeah. Um, so, well, what I basically do is um, I run a gamified classroom, if you will. Um, I like to call the gameful classroom, like gameful design being, as opposed to gamification being all about using, well, game design elements in a non-gaming context, but it being mainly using badges, rewards, experience points, leaderboards, all that kind of extrinsic reward types of structure. Um, and I try to do a gameful class in which most of the activities and sessions that we do genuinely have game mechanics. Um, things like um, bidding, trick-taking, t- trick uh, resource management, you know, the, the good stuff and not just the extrinsic rewards. Um, some of the magic, if you will, even. Um, and yeah, so what you were referring to is when I came in, I was like, yeah, gamification sucks. I don't want to do this, but um, I want to do a gameful course, and gamification is easy. So 
Let's just start with gamifying my class. Let's bring on the badges, the rewards, the leaderboards. It's going to be so easy. And um, that was my starting point then. Well, one of the first lessons that I learned was that it's not that easy even. Even if you would just say, I want to gamify it, the amount of prep that goes into it. I, I wrote my own software for it because nothing proper existed at the time. Yeah. Um, right now, there are a couple of learning management systems coming out that do some stuff with it. I haven't tried any of those, but I'm intending to do so. Um, but yeah, so so that's kind of, I, I guess, the backstory of, of, of what I do. I try to gamify my class, and mo most importantly, I'm trying to make it as much as an actual game. I um, I think in the presentation, one of the jokes that I that I do is um, I don't want it to look like Farmville. I want it to look like Final Fantasy VII or, or Dungeons and Dragons or something. Um, so yeah. So did you did you have some positive outcomes? I mean, are you having yeah. some positive outcomes? Oh, absolutely. Um, well, the I've, I'm currently in my third iteration of it. Um, I'm 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 a, I'm a game designer myself. I've I've done a, I've done a bunch of, of games for the viewers that don't really know me. Um, so I'm iterating upon this idea, and in the first iteration, um, it didn't really go very well. Um, I did some statistical analysis on it, and what I found was quite um, well. Let me just tell you what I found. I found that um, my non-gameful class was less annoyed and less dense than the class that I put so much time in gamifying, and that my gamified class had less good scores on intrinsic motivation than the non-gamified <laughs> class. So all the reasons why you're thinking of, okay, I want to make this a fun class, I want to make this a motivating class, didn't really go very well. Um, but you know, then I looked at what could be the reason behind this. I did more statistics on it, and basically the conclusion of all that was that the, co the, the common course evaluators, as I call them, well, that's nothing to do with common uh, core or anything, um, common course. So um, things like, um, do the students think the teacher is effective at what he does? Um, how do the students feel about the classroom atmosphere? How well-structured is the documentation? All those things, um, as well as um, how much time they spend playing games, because, you know, Gamers are a little bit more adapt to adjusting to new game rules mm -hmm. um, or adapt. Um, so, and all those criteria um, actually ended up being the predictive factors and not the gameful or the non-gamified uh, mm -hmm. yeah, um, aspect of class. Those effects just fell away um, as soon as I looked for those things. So, at the end of the first iteration, I was like, yep, I'm, I'm getting there, but it's not what it's supposed to be yet. Um, which is okay, I guess, after one iteration. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So um, then you then you readjusted. Yeah, I did a I did a whole lot of stuff afterwards trying to make it better. Um, I've, yeah, actually. Was a there whole a lot, lot of streamlining? Of, um, I guess, I guess, yeah. Um, I think one of the oh, I don't have the, those numbers with me right now, but I think the syllabus. Uh, I think it got rid of because well in the first iteration I had a syllabus and I had a rule book, <laughs> which is already a big no-no. <laughs> um, so I combined them in one document and I dropped about three thousand words. So I don't know exactly how many words three thousand would be because yeah. I really have, well not very often do I have to write papers that are three thousand words. Typically they're eight thousand or so. But um, I mean it's probably like six or seven pages, so that's a lot. Yeah. Um, there were other things. I mean, all my students have superpowers that they can activate. In the first iteration, um, those superpowers were just completely out there. Um, they were way too complicated, so I narrowed those down. So a lot of the stuff was streamlining, and I added a lot of cool stuff, way more backstory, um, 
things like uh, a lot of video um, and things like that was added to it as well. That made it pretty cool. So just uh, you know, at the beginning when we when I'm talking about the backstory, I show on PowerPoint slides some video as well. Um, <laughs> I, I use clips from old Batman. Yeah. Well, I guess you got to see them. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll put something on YouTube. There, yeah, uh, there's you, Jerry. You would like his his videos. They're well done. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, so oh if, yeah and well with the second iteration what I noticed then was the, the the problem areas went away, so I managed through my streamlining um, the problems just went away and the only issue that we had at that point was that the the student in the non gameful class felt more external pressure to do well but I just think that's because they want to get into the game industry and that's a game design course, so in terms of the game the gamified stuff by the second iteration I didn't really have any really negative vibes anymore. The only thing that sucked at the end of the second iteration, I guess, was that um, I did this ranking thing. So I asked the students to just, um, you know, give their opinions in a survey and in focus groups about everything that I do in class, because every session has its own game-like elements. Um, and um, when I, well, when I saw the ranking afterwards, um, at the very bottom, you see everything that's related to grades. So get rid of grades. Grades suck. Nobody likes grades. <laughs> then we see um, everything that's gamified, experience points, leaderboards, extrinsic motivation stuff. So that's all right, too. I mean, nobody, that was to be expected. Um, then we get everything that I felt were really good gameful type of sessions where we're doing a lot of stuff with game mechanics and special powers, and it's like this feels very much like a game to me. But then on top of the leaderboard, I saw things that I just called engaging activities. Those were just classes that I felt, well, these are really engaging things and I don't really see a game component in them. Let's just do them like this because they're going to be fun anyway. Mm -hmm. But that means that, well, if you just do a very engaging um, class in which you're teaching well, you're, making, you're giving them a, a problem to solve and um, you just let them run with it in a group and then you let them come up and present their solutions, it's better than if you do really cool stuff in, in terms of game mechanics. So um, that's what I'm trying to look at right now. And I'm injecting game mechanics into the engaging activities to see if they are still drifting um, above or if they will drop down again. And, and that's going to okay. be... I just did the survey today, actually. So um, hopefully at GLS, uh, the next conference, I'll, I'll be presenting on that. Cool. So can you give me an example of what... You know, what is like a what would a class period look like to kind of give our, um, our, our listeners? Yeah, it could. Well, in general, the, the the typical structure that we use is we start out with lore, and lore is basically five minutes of me explaining what's happening to their heroes because they all have their own character and they're all in this system that I designed where they have a backstory and everything. One of the cool things I do with that is that if a student does something memorable in an assignment or something, I will reference the hero's name in class. Nobody really knows who the hero is because I wanna, they need to have their privacy. That was one of the things legal forced me to do. I cannot share any form of grades with my students. So it's all with uh, pseudonyms and uh, the leaderboards have some tricks applied to it so they never can figure out what grade uh, somebody got. Okay, hold, hold, hold on here. Let's, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Let me, let me, yeah, let, let's see this. So do the, do the kids share out who they are? Um, they can do that, um, and I tell them in the beginning. If you tell people what your 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 uh, your hero name is, people will see if you're doing bad. So if you want to take that on, that's on you. But yeah. I'm telling you're them in the beginning. Yourself. I've covered myself, and <laughs> there is no way through the system that you could deduce um, 
you know, who is getting an A or a B that's, unless you know that person well and it's a friend and the, 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 the hero names have been shared. And some students don't care about it and they just say up front, I'm this or that guy. Um, while other students are very uh, secretive of this, but I will never, you know, even if I say this or that hero has done something awesome and I point that out, I will never look at them. I'm always just staring in the back of the room so they could have no idea who it would be. So you know, does the leaderboard have, it has everybody on it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But the students can only see the, the levels that they have obtained and it stops at, I think, level 7 or level 10, depending on which semester. Um, and the points are handed out after that level, so it could never be related back to um, the points directly. Um, plus, you things get get mixed up as well, so um, it it works fine right now, and I haven't got any complaints of it. But anyway, um, so that's the lore, and that's how the leaderboard works. Um, then we basically have our classroom session. I always want to have moments of discussion. I always want to have moments in which they have to solve a question for me, preferably in group, and that's how we go ab about with the material. Sometimes they'll have to design a game in class, sometimes they'll have to, you know, we're just discussing theory and I'm having short bursts of, le of, of uh, lecture time in there. Um, but And then there are classes that are themed, like for example, I play, do you know the meta game, Jerry uh, and Zach? No. The meta but game is... Um, it, it's a game by, um, I think, Local Number 12. It's a game design studio in New York. I think hmm. Eric Zimmerman and Colleen Macklin might be part of it, and John Sharp maybe as well. Um, and the meta game is basically this card game that's all about discussion. Um, you basically <laughs> have a bunch of cards with, um, well, in my case, you have games on them, and that's how the meta game began as well, with games on them. And you argue why your game is better than your opponent's game um, based on this topic card that somebody has drawn. So it could be like the topic card could be something like um, which game um, uses a more knowledgeable other to use an educational, um, <laughs> you know, games and learning term better than the other game. And then they have like five games like um, they might have SimCity in there and uh, Mule and uh, Carmen Sandiego or something. And then they pick one game that they, that they feel would be best for arguing about this topic. And they have arguing rounds, then they have a rebuttal round, and a third uh, student will referee them. And we do a session like that, and um, the the I don't do very much during that session. I just basically am the timekeeper and the scorekeeper. And once we have two people left that are undefeated, they come out in front of class and they battle it out live in front of the class. And it typically just takes an entire session. I've been very lucky with that. Uh, <laughs> mathematically, will probably always be like that, I guess. Um, but it's really fun. Um, I actually designed my own card set for it because the meta game is not an educational or uh, a net side games and learning type of game. Um, but it is in my class. And so that's that's the session that I would call a gameful session. And even if you do that kind of discussion stuff, it's still, it still fails to be more fun than like the session where I have them play Civilization at home. They come in and I basically just tell them, now let's make lesson plans using Civilization. That is the top session of them all. My students' last iteration just loved that session, apparently. It's the best one I did. Huh. Um, it took me very little prep, actually, because it's just <laughs> you know, teaching on your toes and, and um, critiquing their lessons plans. And what I do at the end is I bring up Kurt Squire's PhD. I have some slides that I've drawn from that, and I just show how it went for him, and then we use that to extra extrapolate towards uh, their lesson plans and give him some comments that actually make sense uh, and are contextualized. But um, 
Yeah, that that session they 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 liked better than the meta game. Um, even though I mean the the neutral value on that survey item is a four, and the meta game gets like a five point eight or something. So it's really good. But um, yeah, still. I would love so to anyway. see the civilization stuff. I use Civ four uh, with my sixth graders, so that, that's something we can talk about later. But Jerry, yeah. was your brain, were, were, was your light bulb going off for uh, uh, that lesson that he was doing for art? Oh yeah, actually, I've heard of this. So when it, once you started going through it a little bit, yeah, I um, I had heard of it, um, and I, I'm I'm just trying to remember now at this point why. Um, or who I heard it from, but I, I do remember it. it. Does does make sense? It's a very cool idea, great concept. And then I even like the um, the idea of having that leaderboard, or you know, because you're what you're doing is completing projects and tasks, Bob, in in class. Mm -hmm. And Jerry, especially project oriented with art class, you know, you're completing tasks and assignments, and you're doing individual and group work. Um, I think that would fit. I don't know. I think that would fit very well in your classroom, Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I like it. It's very cool. So, okay. Um, as you were going through, I think Jerry was showing some of the portfolio stuff. Yeah. I mean, is there, what else have you been doing? So the gamified classroom is, that's been your, that's been your baby, you know, for, um, for there, well, but you've got other, you got other stuff going on. <laughs> to be honest about it. I mean, the gamified classroom, um, that's kind of like a side project or something, if you will. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! It's just something I do for fun. <laughs> I mean, wow. The thing is, I'm I'm um, I'm on tenure track right now, and um, yeah, I I don't want to sound. I mean, as if I, I don't want to come across uh, as arrogant or something, because it is a project <laughs> that takes up a whole lot of time, and it's a lot of effort, and it's a lot of hard work. Um, and I don't want to take away from anybody for who you know who, who does something similar and has that as their main research focus. But for me, it was just a matter of I've, um, I'm teaching. Um, I've, I'm going to have to teach at Miami, and I would like my teaching to have some sort of a research aspect to it as well. I mean, um, in my classroom, I'm talking to my students about gamification. For you know, it's a games and learning class, and it's, it's I, I think that's a relevant topic to discuss in there as well. Um, and how cool is it that you know they can just be part of this gamified classroom? So. It just, yeah, I just felt it's something I have to do, even though I didn't really have time for it, but eh, I just did it anyway. Uh, but my main research is all about games on older adults. Um, I've been, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty passionate about making games for people who are 50, 60, 70 year, years old, because um, I'm going to be like that one day. I mean, at least <laughs> I hope. <laughs> it would be great if I would be like that someday. Um, and, so what's some you know, of the things that you've done with, I guess, in that space? Yeah. Um, well, in that space, my um, I've, I've I've done a, um, some some audience research on that. Um, I have a, a background in, in arts and in communication science, um, and the communication science uh, side of it was, um, you know, I studied the the, the meaning digital games have um, for older adults from a communication scientific perspective, not necessarily cultural studies, um, and that was just the end of that study was basically a player classification on how older adults play games and uh, similar to how younger people play there's a lot of variety in there um, what's interesting about it is that there's overlap with the learning that I do as well I do a lot of games and learning stuff and with older adults it's a strong motivator just as it is for younger uh, generations but older adults are strongly motivated by self-cultivation and a sense of uh, perceived usefulness I guess um, so 
what I try to do in that space actually is mainly I want to make games that are genuinely good for them. It's kind of like the same uh, question that a lot of people have had about games and learning. How can we make games that are genuinely fun to play and that are good for learning? Um, I want to make games for older adults that are genuinely fun, and it's a, it's, a, it's a similar type of question. Most of the stuff that's been made for, for that demographic are brain training games, which I think are pretty ageist. And, um, yeah, it, it's kind of like, you know, you have these, these pink games for girls, like the Barbie games that are about become a good homemaker, housewife, yeah. or, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm sure, Zach, that you can relate to how awful those things are. Yeah. Um, and, you, you know, for, for older adults, it's all about brain training. I mean, the one thing sexist, and I'd say the, the brain training games are very ageist. It's all about cognitive decline, and you're in need of help. And, we're you know, the people that I talk to, I've interviewed so many people um, above 50 who play digital games. I mean, they play games like you and me, and they want similar type of content. So um, it's just that oftentimes games aren't really made to accommodate their needs very well. So what's so what? Are, I guess what are their needs? I mean, what are you know? You see the brain training. You see commercials on TV. Yeah. You know, oh, you got to keep your brain, you know, elastic. You know, whatever elasticity yeah. or whatever they, you know, the the code words that they're using. So what are was it? What is it that they need? And what are are you trying to create some of those games? Right. Well. Um, I'm not going to, I mean, I, I don't think it would be uh, very correct for me to say that the brain training games are completely off. I mean, they do, they would like for, for brain training to be, um, well, something that actually works. If it actually works, <laughs> it, it would be something I'd be interested in. Let me just put yeah. it like that, too. Yeah. yeah, I was trying to, you know, pick my words carefully. and then It's I said, good yeah. to train your but, brain, but it's yeah. got to be done right. Yeah, yeah. And um, outside of the, well... With the brain training stuff, I mean, there's been a consensus of the researchers that are actually really big names in that field. They've just published this consensus that we don't have the scientific evidence for them right now. So that's one thing. The other thing is if we move past the brain training games, older adults want games that are meaningful to them, that are genuinely things that they care about, and that could take on so many different forms. I always say that there are six things that you want to look at specifically. Um, I talk about self-cultivation, so, you know, improving yourself. Um, being able to connect with society, giving something back to society. I don't think younger gamers are really interested in that. Um, connecting to family members and people you care about, especially younger generations. Um, playing games that relate to who you were in the past. Um, nostalgia on the one hand, but on the other hand also compensating. You might have been a really good basketball player and now you can't play basketball anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> then you go play a certain type of game that might, you know... Um, uh, scratch that itch um, and what's the other one um, well you know but there there are some specific um, niches that older adults are very interested in um, and the other thing is you know once you um, I, I have been saying that cognitive decline is not the only thing that we need to be talking about with games and older adults but cognitive decline is pretty bad um, at some point and a physical decline at some point you get to that point where a gamepad is very difficult to control. You get to the point where um, your contrast vision is that bad that it becomes very difficult to differentiate between objects on screen, um, that colors need to be adjusted. Uh, the list of stuff that you need to adjust for every older adult, the customizations that needs to be done are, are pretty drastic. Uh, I will, I will, I will tell when I uh, present in front of an industry audience that you know if somebody makes this plugin, um, that any game can just use this middleware plugin. 
Um, I mean, they're going to be rich because this is a huge market coming up, and I'm not in it yeah. for the money myself. But if you're, I mean, if you're really uh, into games, looking for the next big thing, oh my gosh, this is a huge industry coming up. We are looking at 2050. The amount of 60-year-olds will have doubled um, uh, in society. And right now, 29% yeah. <laughs> of U.S. gamers is over 50. I mean, I've got all these tidbits ready. Yeah, no. And as a as a 40-year as a 41-year-old, I'm thinking, you know, yeah, 20 years down the road. Yeah, it, that's where I'm going to be at. Now, here's something, too, because my, my mother, who's, you know, older in age, uh, you know, she still works, mm -hmm. you know, after retirement. So have there been games out there to help train older adults to possibly train, maybe simulations or games, to help them train maybe for a different type of position? I think you're, um, yeah, you're hitting the nail on the head there. I don't think anybody has done that yet. It's um, one of the things that's on my list. I am trying to move towards that, but I think that will be really awesome, um, especially when we're, we're starting to talk about the baby boom generation, and that's one yeah. of the reasons why I don't think there's a huge urgency for it right now, but there will be in 10 years from now. So right now what I'm trying to do mainly is, um, well, the projects that I'm doing next semester are we're taking the Oculus Rift to the retirement home. Um, so oh, boy. Wow. Virtual reality headset for oh, the... No. Uh, Probably follow yeah. with an ambulance. <laughs> we are going to play, uh, yeah, at the end of the simulation, they're going to fall from a very tall building. We're playing sideline. Oh, oh my uh, God, what are you trying to do? Well, you know, it's going to be, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be fine. We're going to, we still have to get it through the IRB, and if the IRB says we can't do that, <laughs> we'll just cut it off. But I but, bet there's um, some that would just love it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to look at older adults. If you go on YouTube, I can put a couple of clips on in, in, in the file as well. Um, older adults, I mean, they can be pretty nasty when they're playing games. You, when you play, you're as young as you feel. So, yeah. Um, it, 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 I mean, it, even in, in, in retirement homes when they're playing Wii Bowling, there's some slapping, there's some pushing. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's it's not just these people that are barely being able to move their arm. I mean, the people yeah, who play these these we sports games, they go at it, and they get, they can get pretty competitive. Retired um, retired people, when we were growing up, are not the same as what they are now. No, I mean, That's you know, these, these guys listen to Led Zeppelin. Oh yeah, know, and they're they're still rocking it. So yeah, it's there's a difference there. Here's my here's a connection I want to try to make to kind of bring it back into you know our realm. Yeah. I think that's a huge part, but you know. I don't know if there's too many things out there to help teachers in, you know, maybe gamifying or doing some type of professional development for teachers to help them with learning new content. Yeah, I think um, Zulama might be doing that at this point. Um, it's a company that, that uh, I don't know if it's a spin-off of Carnegie Mellon, but they, they have a relation to it. We're currently working with them, actually. Oh, you oh, know these goodness. guys? Uh, <laughs> Mike Jones, a friend of mine, um, got to. I think we we discussed him on a on one of our podcasts, and I'm trying to remember how to spell it. <laughs> it doesn't sound like do you not. Do you remember how to remember how to spell it? Zulama, I think it's um, uh, Z U L A M A. Like llama, like the the creature yeah. in uh, what is it, Peru? There it is. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And this is something here. Yeah. So, uh, building games, building enthusiasm. Yeah. It's 
yeah, this looks very interesting. Yeah. So go ahead. You were talking talking about well, that. Well, I, I I don't know it uh, as well as I should right now because oh. I am on a project <laughs> with him. But we well, as you've probably figured out by now, I tend to be really busy and I should you know um, I should take on less projects from time to time. But um, <laughs> I did not know that when I started at Miami um, in summer 2013. Um, so we are currently working with somebody else who's who's helping me out with that. So I don't know it that well. But from what I know it about it is they are teaching. Um, um, high school and middle school teachers how to make games, um, how to do gamified stuff in the classroom as well. They're giving them intros to um, like Unity 3D. Um, game Maker, I think, is in there as well. They're they're talking about um, you know the game design uh, basics as well. It's um, it looks like a pretty neat program. I'm really happy that uh, you know they can help us out with that on on, on that uh, project. Yeah, Carnegie because they're out of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay, yeah, so I think Mike, uh, my friend Mike, met them at some conference here recently and was very interested in this. So, yeah, so that's they're kind of looking at that space of, of, yeah. of gamification, but not only to um, help the students, but also to help the teachers. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, um, if you want to use games in the classroom or game design elements in the classroom, whatever, I mean, it starts with the teachers, so... Um, I think it's really good that there are programs like this, and it's essential. Um, back in the days when we were, when I was making games for education um, in Belgium, uh, I said back in the days when I was supposed to say back in Belgium, but uh, <laughs> I'm not 70 myself yet. <laughs> but um, in any case, um, you know, that was, um, yeah, one of the first educational games I worked in. I was thinking, okay, I make this game and I'm done. And now, okay, here, teachers, you do... What you do with my game is going to be awesome, and then you figure out it doesn't work that way. And I think it's really good that there are these things that um, help and teachers do this. And if you're a game designer yourself, it's all about making the syllabus as well as the game. Um, I think Philemon Games does an awesome job at that, for example. Yeah, they do. They do very good work. Yeah, very good work. Jerry, we're getting late. It's getting yeah. past my bedtime. Yeah, it's getting up there. It's getting up there. Uh, do you have any last thoughts, Jerry? Questions? No, I just stick to my original sentiment that I like Bob better than you. Well, that, like I said, doesn't yeah, that, and there's no surprise there. He's welcome no back there. anytime. Bob, Bob is awesome. Great. Bob, any well, anything you. else you want to share? Um, no, I think I'm pretty good. I, f I, I feel like I've talked way too much and no. way too incoherently, so I'm really curious to check out the video myself at some point. <laughs> no, you never watch it because it's it's yeah, it, it's not. It's devastating. Is it? You no, know? no, it's it's good. But you never <laughs> oh. you never think of yourself. You're like, oh my god, I can't believe I was talking that way. Right. No, Bob, you did great. You did wonderful. And I like I said before uh, when we started the show that. I will eventually, I'll put these links out on the YouTube video, but after December 7th, it'll be on the EdReach website, and then it'll be in iTunes and so on and so forth. So thank you, Bob, for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. It was, it was really fun, actually. Awesome. <laughs> he sounds surprised, Jerry. <laughs> this, this actually, I, it was actually fun. Okay. Yeah, Anytime I have a good time on the show, I'm surprised. Yeah, Jerry just laughs at me, so that's all That's all it takes. So thank you for listening to this week's EdGamer podcast. Please follow us on edreach.us, and also follow all the great podcasts and blog posts on the EdReach Bye. network. Have a great week. Bye. Bye-bye.